Welcome to the Just Being Honest podcast. This is your host, KB. I'm a lifestyle designer, intuitive healer, and a creator of a wellness workspace called the KB Apothecary. Welcome to my world. We're cultivating a lifestyle environment based with quality of consciousness for all, here to unveil your authentic truth. What does that mean? Listen in to find out because we are all multi hyphenate beings. So join me on the ride. It's getting deep. Guess what, folks? Wellness week is coming up, and you're probably thinking, KB, what's wellness week? Well, wellness week is a week full of giveaways, Instagram lives, and a little tips and tricks about how to better your wellness. But you want to get in on the 411, right? So follow me on Instagram at just being honest, KB. The bean has no G because we're street like that. I've said it time and time again. And you guys can also subscribe here to find out all information about how you can get involved and get some free goodies out there. See you then. Do you find often at times that when you have something on your mind, maybe it's consciously or subconsciously even for me, it's the latter, um, that you will one time hear it, perhaps on another podcast after you have been thinking about it. Maybe you dreamt about it. Who knows? And then everything, every conversation you hear, that topic comes up again and again and again. And this is kind of a weird topic that I don't think, I don't know, I just don't feel like it's a topic of discussion um, all the time. This particular phrase, right? And I'm talking about attachment styles, attachment types, whatever you want to label it as. You know, I'm not big on labels, but um, that's what I want to talk about today. I also want to kind of jump into... um, my sweet little poppy girl and how she has been really testing my wits. <laughs> and you know what? To be honest with you, the attachment styles, the attachment types, it's going to show me so many things that I'm personally working on as well. I have to admit, I've been a little, sometimes a lot, stressed lately and Something that really, really dives me back into my centered space and my zen zone is taking a bath at night and then following up with rubbing my body oils all over my face, my body, doing my gua sha routine every single night. So something that I like to incorporate with that is Prima & Co's Hemp CBD. Okay, it's not any hemp CBD, it's broad spectrum hemp. And... Guys, let me tell you, the bath bomb, delicious. I feel soothed probably within the first 15 seconds. Can I say that? I just am like, ah, relax. I get out. I put the oils on my body. I put the gua sha on my face. And here we go. Night magic. This is pure and potent well-being essentials for skin, 
body, and your entire mind. And I know I have reaped the benefits 100%. It's backed by science and built by nature to help combat stress and target issues at their source. You know I'm all about nipping things in the butt at their source. So you can feel better every single day. So I have something for you. 15% off your entire order at prima.co using code all caps H-O-N-E-S-T. That's honest. So for 15% off, use code honest all caps at the checkout line and enjoy your oh my gosh ultimate bliss so something that has been literally thrown into the forefront of my attention lately and i think it became relevant right when i got this puppy um a couple of things but one of them being huge self-worth I didn't get a puppy (laughs) because I was so scared like me what I'm always the one that looks over everyone else's dogs and I love all those other dogs I'm actually longing for those other dogs as well I miss Molly I miss Theo I miss Duncan all of the dogs I miss them and then I got Poppy and it was almost like You know, when you're in a new relationship and you kind of start to compare that new person to maybe a former relationship, a former male, female, what have you, whatever your style is, um, I kind of started to do that. And I kind of felt guilty because it's like I wasn't giving her a chance. Um, I have to be completely honest and I'm going to be completely honest about this. And it's not easy for me to be honest about this, but you know what? The name of the podcast, Just Being Honest. So since I'm on the life <laughs> um, the life path basically now, especially of just kind of throwing all the shit out there and being vulnerable, um, literally wearing all my emotions on my sleeves, I'm going to let you guys have it because when I share something, maybe you'll be able to share something about yourself Or maybe you'll be able to journal or open up and just make it become a reality because it is scary as S-H-I-T for me to admit this. But as a woman, I can now say I'm a woman, um, that as a woman that grew up as a young girl who loved dog encyclopedias, all the stuffed dogs, you know, I played house and I picked out the dog that I wanted, obsessed, completely obsessed. And for the longest time, I just wanted a dog. And I got my first dog finally when I was in the fifth grade and her name was Maggie and she was Yellow Lab and she was the love of my life, 100% the love of my life and I was not able to get another dog. You know, I feel like some people have many dogs and they go through many dogs and there's not that emotional attachment to them, perhaps. I don't know if that's like me in relationships as though 
I thought if I got something that I loved so much that it would be taken away from me. And that was my biggest thing about getting another dog in my adult life for myself. I thought it would be taken away from me. Somehow, something would take something away from me or something would step in my path and not let me enjoy or get or just be at peace or love this item full force. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I have done and I hope to continue to see the dogs that I used to watch pre-COVID. Um, even now that I have my own dog of my my own, um, I love those dogs, as I said before. So I started to watch other people's dogs. I started to, you know, just use them as my own therapy, my little fuzzballs. And they were all different. They all had different personalities, different energetic levels. You know, Molly is one of a kind. She is my heart and soul. She's a a schnoodle and she just, she's just perfect. Like if I could encapsulate one word, she is literally just perfect. She's such a therapy dog. Theo, he is a labradoodle and he is, oh my gosh, cartoon character, such a little gentleman. He is Theo and he is just spoiled rotten. That's exactly who he is. But he is a lover at the heart and he just wants to be with you. Now, Duncan, Duncan is a Oh man, he is just a ball of muscle. He is a black lab and he he is not a dog. You look in his eyes and I know I've posted photos of him on Instagram before. His eyes are human eyes. You look in his eyes and you see into another galaxy. He is pretty lazy. Doesn't actually I got him to walk more the last time I walked him, but he um he just wants to be there you know i just want to take a nap i just want to suck on my little duck right here you know he just wants to be there and i think that's kind of what all the dogs kind of sum up is that they just want to be there they just want to be with you and they just want to know at all times that you are okay um So then I dove in and, you know, this COVID thing has really been throwing me under the bus. I'm 33 and I thought, you know, this is the time. There was all these pings, all these universal just showings to me that this is the time. And I have to admit something. I didn't choose Poppy. I did not choose her. Because ultimately, she chose me. And she has not stopped choosing me every single second of the day. She's never mad at me. I get frustrated. And this is the hardest thing for me to say is, I have never had to raise a puppy by myself. I've, yes, raised a puppy. 
but not by myself in a 300 square foot little cottage studio that shares a wall with a neighbor with a French bulldog that's not particularly fond of Poppy yet. Because <laughs> Poppy's a puppy. Let's just say that sums that up. And um, since we're all home at all hours of the day, me walking on pins and needles has to become even more pins and needles with a barking puppy um, because sweat. She just wants to play. And something I'm realizing is that, um, you know, my mom told me this and I'll say it again. My mom has told me that Poppy has been the best thing that has ever happened to me thus far. I have become, and I'll admit it, quite rigid, quite strict with myself, um, and quite safe. Not going, you know, out of bounds. I never was one that wanted to color outside of the lines when I was little, especially being an artist. It was probably the scariest thing about being a perfectionist. And if you are an over, <laughs> basically overcoming um, a perfectionist addictive issue, I swear it's an addiction, um, you know as well as I do that coloring outside of the lines is like won't even get you started at coloring. So me being a clean freak, liking everything in order, not having too much of anything, I don't like dirty things. Sure, I'm fine. I'm like kind of in the middle. I'm not super OCD, but oh, and my schedule, like having to have my schedule. Everything got thrown under the bus when I got Poppy. My life has changed even much more than it has when we went into quarantine. We're still in quarantine, right? And... I had to just let things go. I just had to chill out. I had to put something before me. I've noticed things that I'm not happy about, some personal things that I'm not happy about within myself, some mindsets that have come up. And I find that this is the second layer of peeling back the onion of KB that I'm having to deal with um, through this pandemic. I'm talking body image, not having the same workouts, right? Not having my workouts at the time and to the best ability. Not being able to do yoga one hour each day, you know? The first night I got poppy, I cried so hard. And I was like, I don't think this was the right thing to do. I don't think I should have gotten her. And that really breaks my heart to say that because, you know, when I started crying that first night out of, to be honest with you, fear, because I shook the whole night. I shook. I didn't even get to eat dinner because I was so just everything was off. I was so scared. And 
when I started crying, she so timidly just came up to me and climbed on me and just nuzzled up on me. And right there and right then, she said, you're my mama and I'm your baby. So really quickly, before I jump into attachment styles, because Poppy is uh, really opening up my eyes to attachment types, attachment styles. And since I am a mother now, this kind of goes to show what's happening with her and separation anxiety, okay? So I kind of wanted to, first off, since I've gotten Poppy, I just want to say she's taught me a lot. And she's continuing to teach me a lot. It's only been a month and a half since I've had her in my house. And it feels like a lifetime. She's growing so much. She's fearless. And um, she's the most loving little being ever. She's so friendly. So what has she taught me? Now I'm going to throw this such, this is my nerdy way of doing it, guys. So love it or leave it. Okay, the four P's that Poppy has taught me. Number one, patience. Poppy has taught me that gratification may not always come instantly. Twofold with this, gratification for her, her wanting her dinner, her meal, what have you, I have made her sit, stay, be quiet along the way. And then she gets fed. Gratification for me in the fact that um, can you hear that? My neighbors that share a wall with me, they just got home. So background noise. There you go. Enjoy it. But anyways, gratification for me in the fact that she's not going to be trained overnight. She's not going to be perfect overnight. She's not going to be the canine good citizen that I thought I was going to get in just one night. It takes consistency, folks. It takes practice. And it takes patience. So that is something me, the overcoming perfectionist, is really having to work on. Number two presence. Presence. Being in this exact space in time. That this life is a step-by-step process. We cannot think about the future. We cannot think about the past. Because baby, all there is is the presence and that great stick in front of us that we have to chew on. Presence. Dogs don't think about the future. Dogs don't think about the past. They just know that Bing! Oh, I'm hungry. It must be dinner time, right? Presence. So think about that one. That one thing right there has made me kind of, let's just say stand up straighter each day and say, okay, right now I am in ecstatic presence. Ecstatic presence in every single thing that I do. I'm wiping up the floor. This is cool. She's barking at me. I'm patient. I'm in the presence. How will I deal with it right here, right now? 
It's not what happened two seconds ago. She doesn't remember that she took the towel off the rack, right? Pick it up. Continue on. Number three. And I love this one. Passion. Passion. In prioritizing what lights you up, we are given minimal hours in the day, let alone a lifetime. So what do you want to do ultimately that fills your cup and sparks the biggest amount of joy at that time? Hmm? Kind of goes back to the stick situation, right? There's a stick right there. I'm so passionate about this stick. This is the best stick that I have ever found. Me, passion. What lights me up? My artwork, my artistry. Coming soon, K Brown Studio. But what lights you up? Because what lights you up ultimately shows you what the meaning of your life is and your dharma. Dharma. More on that to come, right? Further episode. Number four, perseverance. Oh, this is such a good one. Because I have given up so quickly. It must be the Gemini in me at times. But perseverance. Try, try. And without fail, try again. Give it another shot. Just like Poppy and her freakishly, I don't know what, wood chip craze. She is nonstop when it comes to going after something she wants. I have figured that out. And, you know, I think we all at times give it only one shot or say it should be easier than this. And it goes back to training a puppy. Consistency is key, right? Try again. Try again. Maybe try another way. Throw in a variable there. I know I have. I know I have multiple times. So as one that's also said, I want to be an entrepreneur. Not I want. Guys, I am an entrepreneur. I have tried so many different things in life. Looking back on the 33 years, well, maybe I started a little later than when I was first born on being an entrepreneur, but how many things I've tried, how many things I've dove into, how many things that I have succeeded and how many th- things I have failed. And I think those two words I want to define a little bit more. Success. Success is defined as anything that fills you up and makes you feel, yes, I did it. And it could be for as long, as little as you want. Failure, failure is nothing. Failure is simply learning along the way. Right? We as humans, we as humans in this human experience, I think we're so goofy at times because in all reality, (laughs) we're living for nothing. Okay, hear me out here. We're living for something, yes. I think that ultimate something is love. Love. I really think it is. No matter what, I think the pandemic state that we're in right now is holding us back from that purpose and that love. But anyways, we're living for nothing because we're living for something and that is love. 
And I hope that makes sense to you in some way here or there. What I'm saying is don't sweat the small stuff, okay? Because five years from now, will you remember? Will you remember that? One little moment that threw you off your rocker? Probably not. So live for love. Okay, so this little furball. This little furball really has opened up my eyes to basically attachment theory. You know, an attachment theory of how it plays a role in relationships. And how, you know, this relationship between me and Poppy is also in a direct correlation between perhaps my relationship with my mother when I was a child, or perhaps it's in direct correlation to a significant other that I'm supposed to meet, right? That person, the one, right? So let's just kind of dive in. Take along with what you want. Leave what you don't. And we'll see what resonates with you. Because likely you've heard someone declare that they or you or someone else has or may have had daddy issues or mommy issues. You know, one of my favorite songs by Demi Lovato. Can we just sing it, baby? Daddy issues, yeah. How was that? Pretty good? I sing in the shower. Thanks. Um, but while most often may take that as an insult, I know because of all the research I've done, everything I've heard, that from professionals, bear in mind, that these phrases are actually, actually, actually rooted in psychotherapy. And the, the psychological model is what I said before. It's attachment theory. And you're probably like, what is it? Tell me now, KB, what does it mean? Now, attachment theory originally developed by and I'm going to give you just a brief little backside so you understand where I'm coming at. But it was originally developed by psychoanalyst John Balby and later expanded by developmental psychologist Mary Ainsworth. It says that a person's early relationships in life, especially with their caregivers or dog mamas, <laughs> right, greatly inform and impact their romantic relationships later on in life. They believe that a person was born with an innate drive to become attached to their caregiver, which is usually the mother. I know I am more attached to my mother. Probably because, you know, she, I don't know, maybe because she breastfed us, right? Maybe because she was always swimming with me, right? And swimming is part of like still being in the womb. Maybe that's why I feel so much comfort in that. But the availability or inability of their caregiver and the quality of that care and how it was shaped, you know, 
what that bond or lack of bond looked like and ultimately what that person's romantic bonds will look like as an adult. That is what we're going at. And that is why I'm so intrigued. And maybe that's why I've been having all these pings, uploads, intuitions. I've heard all these things all around. Is it a sign from source that I really need to be diving into this inner structure within myself? Perhaps it is. And perhaps it's coming into your light as well. So how does attachment theory really break down? I want to know. Give me the grime. Give me the grit, right? And it's actually quite complex. You know, it's... it's Basically, you can fall into two things. Secure attachment or insecure attachment. Seems simple, right? But it's quite complex beyond that. So insecure, let's let's start with the the one that's more like, oh great, insecure. Insecure attachment can be broken down further into four specific subtypes, which are anxious, avoidant, anxious avoidant, and disorganized. Now, secure attachment is like, like the Hail Mary, like we got this. This is the healthiest form of attachment styles, right? And what causes secure? So people with secure attachment had caregivers that were basically in one word, dependable, dependable. To the thought of the little child, they were thought to be dependable at the time, the place, and whatever the need was for them and their right at that moment. So whenever the child needed, say, protection, the caregiver was there to create the secure, nurturing, and safe place for them. Am I right? And it's so hard because, yeah, just like a puppy, just like a baby, right? They only have usually one way to converse with the parent, and that is cry or bark. And so you have to go back down to what is the need? What is the root source of that? And how can I be dependable for that? Okay? Now, usually with this, um, attachment styles, okay? Adults securely attached They aren't scared of rejection. They aren't scared of intimacy with their relationships. Now, bear in mind, this can also shape um, or be on the path of things that you may have been going through or have gone through formerly with other relationships in your, your life up thus far. But it all stems in the order of your upbringing. Am I right? You know, secure people feel comfortable getting close to others and trust that their lover or their best friend for life, their BFFL, (laughs) says that they aren't going anywhere. They really trust that. Trust. And they aren't going to do anything. And when I say aren't going to do anything, aren't going to do anything that is beyond the trust mechanism of that relationship. 
Okay. This isn't the type that would accidentally scroll through their partner's emails, accidentally as in air quotes, or make their significant other share their location with them at all times. Holy smokes. I know 100%. Oh my gosh. Interesting, right? I'm just thinking about a lot of people. I always thought that was weird when people were like, send me your location. I was like, why? Why do you want to know where I am? I thought it was a game or something, right? Yeah. That's why I said, holy smokes. I'm just thinking about someone that did that. Okay. Anyways, anxious. Now we're jumping into the insecure, right? Anxious, also known as the anxious ambivalent. Anxious ambivalent, anxious, they kind of go hand in hand, right? Now these people are generally perceived as needy, needy. And what is the main cause of this, right? You're like, well, how did they get there? Now, you may have anxious attachment if your primary caregiver failed to consistently support your needs or come when you called. Oh, shoot. <laughs> it's like, oh, when Poppy's like barking a lot. But everyone told me to like just ignore the barking, right? So this is where it gets touchy. But this type of attachment is common for people whose parents traveled often for work or, for instance, if the parent was away on business and not available Monday through Friday, but very present Saturday and Sunday. Or for people whose parents were going through um, their own stuff, their own S-H-I-T, think a divorce, a job loss, a death of a parent, depression, etc., etc., etc. Just to name a few. Hmm. Okay, so what does this look like beyond? Someone with an anxious attachment is constantly afraid that they're going to be rejected or neglected. Okay, think about that. Does this resonate with you? And I'm not really trying to, you know, pinpoint and say like, pick a box and check it and stay in there and say, I am this and I will never grow out of it because it's all about awareness, folks. When you're aware of it, you can kind of do the growth beyond that. Awareness is key to everything. Awareness is key to, you know, the frequency of life, right? So to kind of get away from those fears, they often engage in obsessive behaviors like perhaps texting a lot or refreshing their partner's social media or over communicating and being really, really, really detailed about their life and their past and their story and, and where they're going and I am here and I won't leave you. They are typically finding themselves in super codependent relationships with other anxiously attached folks. Ring a bell? Anyone? Anyone? And they may also really just be lusty after avoidant attached folks because the dynamic is similar to what they had with their parents. Okay. Right now, sparks flying at me, right? 
avoidant attached. So you're basically like, nope, I'm comfortable with someone that's not available. I will continue to spread that energy out there to reap you into my possession, right? Avoidant. Moving on. Have you ever met someone who seemed like they had no feelings at all? That they were, you know, just like made of stone. You couldn't tell if they liked you. You couldn't tell if they didn't like you. You couldn't tell if they were like ecstatic, tired. They were just me. They were just there, right? And what causes this? What causes avoidant attachment styles? It's basically when a caregiver dismisses a child's needs or treats those needs as um, just like unworthiness, I guess you say. What's that word? Superfluous? I remember I learned that in the fifth grade. Superfluous. I never said it right. But eventually the, ch- the child really stops stating their needs altogether. Instead, they turn inward. They shut down and hopefully learn to become independent and self-reliant, right? I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. I'll succeed by myself. I don't need help. I don't need to tell anyone that I, I miss them, that I need a hug. Don't open the door for me. No, no, no. I got this. And what does this look like? As adults... Usually, they seek isolation, independence, and often at times come across as, could be, self-absorbed, a little selfish, a little cold perhaps. And people with this attachment style tend to view emotions and connections as basically, well, relatively unimportant. Hmm. I know I did that for a while. I got this on my own. I'm a tough girl. I'm a modern woman. Sure, I can be all of that, but I still have a soft side. I still have needs, and I still love a hug. Oh, I love a good hug. Am I right? And so as a result of being avoidant, they don't often prioritize relationships. And it's common for avoidant attached people to avoid relationships altogether or to have one semi-serious relationship after the other without ever fully committing. (gasps) Do you know someone that knows someone that knows someone (laughs) like that? So what about anxious avoidant or Kind of the same as anxious, flip-flop, right? So what causes this one? Anxious avoidant. This one is when the child, the love child, I guess you could say the love child of an avoidant and anxious attachment. It's a love child of an avoidant and anxious attachment. It's a hybrid, right? So it's much rarer than avoidant or anxious attachment styles. And people with fearful avoidant attachment often had traumatizing experiences with their caregiver. Sometimes the caregiver was aggressively present or other times the caregiver was absent. This caused the child to be most likely caught between being 
afraid of their caregiver, while also wanting to be comforted by them. And you're probably like, well, what does this look like, KB? Now, often they find themselves in maybe abusive relationships, tumultuous relationships with highs and highs and highs, the highs of the highs, the highs, and the lowest of the lows, the lows, lows, lows. Hmm. That's no bueno. Now, in other words, they're hot, then they're cold. Yes, no, yes, no. It's such a push and pull, right? Who loves a tug of war? I know I don't. And then the last one is disorganized. This one can also be known as disoriented, insecure, disorganized, or they said unresolved attachment. People who fall under this type are generally erratic and unpredictable. And how does this form? Basically, people with disorganized attachment often had traumatizing experiences with their caregiver, such as emotional or physical abuse. This caused basically the child to be caught between being afraid of their caregiver while also wanting to be comforted by them. People with disorganized attachment simultaneously at the same time are afraid of getting either too close or too distant from their loved ones. Oh my gosh. So they're the kings and queens of self-fulfilling prophecy, their future. They crave connection, but out of fear of losing it, they retaliate. They create drama, self-sabotage, and find themselves in a lot of just meaningless arguments. It's like, what? Hmm, interesting. So how do you know which style you are? Now, I find it kind of interesting because when I review all of these styles, I find that they can be very similar in a lot of ways, meaning that, you know, I believe through different phases of life, you can kind of ebb and flow into one or the other. But I believe just like Briar's Migs or Briar's Migs, I said it backwards, did you hear that? Myers-Briggs, I do that, it's a dyslexia in me. Um or an Enneagram test, you are most dramatically one particular out of all of them. Or the archetype test, right? You're most dramatically one out of all of them. So which one are you? You guys can take quizzes anywhere. I'm going to try to find a quiz and put it on the show notes for you. Um, I find this highly fascinating. And I know reading and reviewing all these attachment styles, I um, I almost want to start asking people who's there, like what theirs is, and perhaps what their childhood upbringing was like. And I think that's why on all of my interviews on the show, I always like to start with what was your childhood upbringing like? You know, what was family life like? Because I like to see what type of entrepreneur that shaped them as. It's so interesting. Someone's childhood, you know, the first year of their life, 
how evident that is for what is shaping them subconsciously, energetically, cellularly, bounding them into the galaxy of the future, right? I have good news for you, though. You may be thinking like, oh my god, I'm a this one. What do I do? Guys, I've got good news. So our attachment styles, guess what? They're not set in stone. You can put forth the work and the effort, talk to a professional, a therapist about this, a relationship coach, a lifestyle designer like myself, and we can work through it. It's about developing relationships with more securely attached people. That is step one, okay? And overall, communication, communication. So with that being said, I hope you got a lot of value out of this episode today. I know I learned the some of the best and most important topics from friends and family members that have sent me over podcasts that they thought would be important in my life. So forward it on, baby. Take a snapshot and send this, share it on to a friend, a family member, a coworker that you think would really value from this information. And as always, I like to grow organically. I like to do things organically. So will you do me the honor and the privilege of jumping over to iTunes and giving a five-star rating or however many stars that you want to push out there and send a comment. I want to know what you liked the most about this. And as always, you can follow me and Poppy on our journey through L-I-F-E, yes, that is life, on my Instagram at JustBeingHonestKB. Remember, being has no G because we're street like that. So until next time, it's been an honor. It's been an absolute pleasure. Kiss, kiss, hug, hug, peace, love, ciao. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to give me a follow on Instagram if you do not already do so at Just Being Honest KB. And I hope you have a lovely day. I'll see you next time.